0: Welcome to Family Financial Views from the University of Illinois Extension.
1: Welcome everyone. We are so happy to have you on today. Today we're going to be talking about life transitions. And I'm joined today by two of my favorite people, Kathy Sweetler and Sasha Gravensetter. And these folks have been going through some life changes and some life transitions. So I'm going to hand it over to Sasha to let her introduce herself and then she'll hand it over to Kathy and they'll tell us a little bit more about their life transitions. Thank you, Kamaya.
0: So my name is Sasha Grabenstetter. I'm currently at eMoney Advisor and I am a financial planning education consultant now. And we'll talk more about that here in a minute. So off to Kathy.
2: Thanks Sasha. So Sasha was an extension educator like Kamaya. And I have been an extension educator for over 20 years, but this is my first week in a new role where I will be continuing at the University of Illinois extension, but more in a part-time teaching role. So I can't really call myself an educator, and I'm really looking forward to those extra hours for myself and my family. But yeah, talk about a life transition. Mm-hmm. It's real. Yes, so it I think this is a very... Excellent, timely topic for us to talk about today. Yes.
0: So, and I know Kamaya, you have lots of transitions with uh, colleagues, you know, changing and, and transferring into different roles Mm -hmm. and all that goodness.
1: So absolutely. So again, um, we are so excited to talk about life transition. I'm Kamaya Wallace-Bichard. I am the educator with University of Illinois Extension and both Kathy and Saisha in their transition. And I'm, I'm at that stage right now where I am missing them terribly, just the way we plan and work together. But we are, of course, so, so excited for all the changes that are coming and the changes that are going on, because we know with life transitions, there are lots of positive pieces to it. So we are embracing, we're embracing the positive. Embracing the change. That's Mm -hmm. what we're doing. Yes.
0: So today we're going to talk a little bit about life transitions, kind of like what are they, how do they impact us financially, and especially yet those financial life transitions. I'm going to ask Kathy and Kamaya lots of questions because I can, and then we'll kind of wrap it up in a nice ball and talk about some stress and some ways to manage it, and talking about ways to have discussions and conversations that hopefully won't make your feuds more fiery when we're you know moving forward. So. To get us started, I kind of want to know, you know, other than our big life transitions, are there any other life transitions that you've experienced so far during your lifetime that you felt like were really big ones that kind of like stood out to you or Mm -hmm. I'll let either one of you go first. So I can go
1: first. Okay. So my, like one of my first major life transition was at age 18 when I moved from Jamaica to Minnesota. In the middle of winter. Oh no. <laughs> the winter. <laughs> um, I moved for college. And of course with um, you know continuing your education, that's kind of a life transition that for a lot of people, that's an expectation to some degree for a lot of folks continuing your education and training. But moving to a different country, moving to um, somewhere that's very cold compared to where I grew up in the warm mountains of Jamaica. That was a major change for me. I was young and optimistic, and I wasn't sure what to expect. But it, it took me a long time to adjust to, you know, missing home, missing what was familiar, and adjusting to life in cold Minnesota, which I, you know, mm. grew to love. I did. I grew did to you love. Really? I did. Yes. I still love Minnesota. So shout out to my Minnesotans out there. So there were some big changes there, but... I embraced it as I was, you know, getting older and and learning how I value what I had before, but also learning to value what I currently have.
2: Kathy? You know, when I started looking at this podcast outline and thinking about this, you know, the positive changes do have real consequences and things, but at least- they're positive. (laughs) So, you know, they like, you have that, the optimism of moving away and things like that. You have that to keep you going. I think the ones that are for me that have been the hardest are family illnesses where somebody's illness has been a big enough illness that it's really Mm -hmm. required me to shift my roles, shift maybe more into caregiving or helping. And they're not positive. They're things that are happening that are really hard emotionally. And you don't have that you know, peace to keep you forward. Like we kind of talked a little bit about having a baby is like one of the biggest life changes that it I've is? ever gone through, but <laughs> but it was positive too. Like you have this like, you know, really positive little, mm-hmm. or I had two of them at the beginning, you know, that were like, that was like a an optimistic, happy part, even if you were exhausted, you know, but the family illnesses, those are really hard. And this has really made me think about, okay, so how do you prepare for those? I don't know if you can ever prepare for them emotionally fully, but how do you prepare for them? So you have a little bit more brainwave and time Mm -hmm. to manage them when they do happen. Because what we always talk about is unexpected things are unexpected, but we can expect something might happen. And so how do we prepare for that?
0: Right. Yeah. And we'll definitely cover that here in a little bit, Kathy. I know that when I was preparing for this topic, that definitely came up quite a few times. So we'll discuss that here in a little bit to kind of reflect back, I guess, on my own life, some life transitions that some people might know about. But uh, when I started with extension, that was a really big live transition for me. I moved from Texas, uh, Lubbock, Texas to Mantino, Illinois. It was a 17 hour drive with two cats. Thankfully I got to split it up, but that was a long drive for me. And then immediately into being a fiance within that first week of my new job and then starting a brand new role and position and then being thrust into working on a curriculum with some great ladies, Kathy Sweeler included. But those life transitions for me did not stop for a very long time. I you know, bought a house and then I had a baby and then both my parents died. Um, And then recently I just had another baby. So they just keep coming my way and I just keep handling them. Like I am Mm -hmm. a major league baseball player and hitting them out (laughs) of the park. So, you know, just trying to work through them all, you know, the good and the bad and preparing for them whatever way I can. So lots of life transitions for the majority, majority of people, honestly. So I just want to quickly define life transitions, and this is according to Hamison et al. And this is from 2020 research. Uh, transition is a life change that impacts a person's life deeply, and involves reconstructing a valued identity. And so, when we were kind of, you know, preparing for this podcast, we had like a quick little conversation about like what does that reconstructing a value identity look like. And so, I kind of want to rehash that parts of those conversations. So our listeners can hear. I love what Kamaya brought in about the things that she said. So I'd love to hear those again, if you don't mind.
1: Yeah, it's, I think for me, like my understanding of this, say, for example, you know, you have a job or a career path that, you know, holds such great meaning for you. It's something that you've been working on, building over the years, your professional development, and there's a disruption in that. It could be like losing that job. Or uh, moving on from that job to something else. So even if you're moving on to something else that's positive, it's still losing um, something that meant something to you. So the value that you had attached to that role to to that position, you know, kind of reevaluating that looking back on it and saying, yes, this was a great point in my life, but also, you know, trying to figure out how you're going to move on from that. So I definitely love that definition because it had me thinking about like, you know, the challenges and the changes in my life and how, you know, I get value or how I rethink or refocus like my attention to the different things that goes on in my life. Thank you, Khmer. I really appreciate that. Kathy, do you
0: have anything to add?
2: I think that, you know, this definition is really thought-provoking. So, you know, I get the life change impacts a person's life deeply. That piece. But then that reconstructing a valued identity is really, I think, where I had to sit back and sit on that for a minute. And sometimes, you know, maybe I was thinking again, when there was illness, it sort of did force me, and I guess force is the right word, that sounds kind of negative, but at the time, no, you know, force me to shift from doing some independent things that fed me professionally and personally to being more of a caregiver and putting more time and energy into that. And as we all know, while we like to do it all, there's really only so much time and energy in any one day and Mm -hmm. and you have to allocate it. And so that, you know, for those years, those were things that I just, choices I made, I was happy to, you know, I wanted to do them, but it really did change my identity there. And I have to say, knock on wood, things are going good right now with our family. So I'm kind of looking forward to catching up on some of that stuff.
0: That's awesome. I'm glad to hear that. And like, we were talking about just like becoming a mother for the first time, you know, my son is now five and a half. And I remember so many times I probably called Kathy crying. Cause I was like, I don't know how to work and be a mom and do all the things and really kind of struggle with having to revalue my identity. So Mm -hmm. I think this is a great definition by Hamison et al. I think they did a great job. They, you know, kind of giving us a definition to work from. So when we're thinking about some of the other research that I want to bring in the research that they talked about is from this major life events taxonomy that came out and, um, they had about 554 participants, And there are obviously like less common transitions that are widely recognized, but we also have some others that are major readjustments. So we'll talk about those in a minute. So they created a taxonomy of 121 life events or life transitions in 12 different categories. So the categories are things like health, financial, which I'll go over in a minute, relocation, legal things, relationships, family relationships, death, career, education, lifestyle change, identity, and societal So, lots of different life event categories. But we're looking more at the financial ones. We're looking at things like buying a car or a house or another major purchase, doing home improvement. I know that Kathy just recently went through that with her home. And I know that I've done some home improvement on my home and did not love every aspect of it. Paying off debt, uh, major financial difficulty, major financial gain, claiming bankruptcy, foreclosure, and personal property damage or stolen. So, those are some really interesting life transitions. And I'll make sure that we put the taxonomy in the, in the notes section of today, because it's really interesting list to kind of look at and see and kind of read through. But any um, thoughts? about? Yeah. And I'm
1: sure like, you know, for, for folks, they can think of like different examples that fall into like these categories, right? There's mm-hmm. so many different categories and sometimes there are multiple things happening at once. Unfortunately, yeah. That people have to deal with and try to figure out. And so many of them just kind of interconnect. So I think, you know, people can come up with some definitely examples for these. Yeah.
2: One thing that and came I- to mind when I was looking at this list was relocation. And, you know, definitely, you know, the research over the years has shown that when you have to move, that it takes a toll on everybody. But sometimes we think of relocation as like changing neighborhoods, like within a community. But also, it's just come to mind lately with all the disasters that we've been seeing that have been so significant, Mm -hmm. you know, when people are in a situation, when they're forced to relocate what that looks like when their home is completely burned down or flooded or tornadoes or whatever, you know, that is a huge life transition.
1: Yeah. It goes back to like that, you know, voluntary versus involuntary changes that's happening and how can you adjust and, you know, work with it. And sometimes it's not easy to come up with like that answer right away.
2: I also keep thinking about like with so many things happening over the last few years with the pandemic and going forward, you know, how will this all look if somebody redoes this research in five years and now we're going to see things changing out. And I don't know, I don't know anything about that yet, but I think it's going to be a factor.
1: It's a big one. Yeah, that's what, yeah, it's a big one. This
2: big one. Nowhere um, do we have children working from home, you know, doing their schoolwork <laughs> at home on here. <laughs> Maybe I they should there's add a that, that. <laughs> listeners out there that would, you know, put that off on that yeah. list. Mm-hmm. Add that to
0: the taxonomy people because it's real. It <clears throat> happens. So I wanted to just like talk about some of the most common ones and then we'll kind of divulge into some other things that are going on. But some of the most common life transitions are change in sleeping habits. I know that when I am cranky, no one wants to be around me. Change in eating habits, mental health struggles or diagnoses, major financial difficulty. And what I think is really interesting was new pet. And I can't tell you how many people I knew over COVID who got a new pet as a life transition. And then sometimes people pair that with a new baby. And I'm like kind of always scratching my head about that. Like you have a new baby and you have a new Mm -hmm. pet. Like, I give you major props and respect, but holy, that's a lot of change right there. Another thing just to like talk about is that there are some events with really high social readjustment. So looking at what does that look like for us? But a lot of it does come down to entry or departure of an individual from a person's life. So things like becoming a parent, divorce, or even losing a loved one. Another is identity shifts. So if you're having a gender transition, job loss, or maybe you become disabled and of course, mental or physical health diagnoses. So just some really interesting research coming out from Hamison et al. Again, 2021, some really interesting, the taxonomy to me, again, go check it out. The social readjustment. It also talks a lot about some pieces of social media. So access to social support from others on social media. I thought that was really fascinating about how, if you have a positive life change, like for example, I had a baby, so I told the whole world about it. Positive life events are shared more broadly than negative. And I think that's really interesting, but the access To social support on other social media sites is uh, high as well. So, for example, like I'm a Reddit user and we have a mom's group for people who had babies in May of 2021. And I like regularly connect with that group. On the flip side, you know, I am a a daughter of a, a person who took their life by suicide. And so I'm part of a group called Solos and I get to communicate with other people who've lost their parent by suicide. So, like, it's actually, it was really fascinating to me to read that part about it, but you know, that we not only share these things publicly, but we also share them privately on our innermost social media channels. So just some interesting um, research for Kathy and Kamaya to digest. And I would love to hear their comments on it, but we'll keep rolling if they don't.
2: I have a quick question, comment. So what I'm mm-hmm. understanding here is that, and I want to make sure I'm understanding this right, Sasha. Yeah. When somebody has one of these common life transitions, like something changes in their health, financial relocation, then the behaviors we see, we see that a third of them approximately who have gone through one of this life transitions has financial difficulties. Am I reading that right? I would say yes. Like they're one of the most common big things uh, up there. Yeah.
1: Big
0: things is, is a major financial difficulty. And when we think about it, you know, that could happen at any point, like just car accidents, or if a tree falls on your house, like some of these acts of gods, I think it comes from my insurance background, you know, like thinking about like your house catching on fire, or a tree falling on your car, those kind of things. I think um, a lot of that could stem from, you know, like these emergencies that we need our emergency fund for, and maybe don't have those funds
2: available. So, well, and even when positive things that we say are positive financial changes, right? I mean, they always have said that, you know, changes, whether they're positive or negative still cause stress, but they also still cause financial things to rise, right? So right. moving yeah. for a new job, like maybe you're a college graduate and you're moving for a new job. Hey, that takes money to move, to relocate, to get settled, you know, get the, whatever you need for that new job, whether it's uh, if you're working at remotely a new desk or whether it's clothing, cause you're out and about. And I think those are things that we just, again, it's really useful to talk about because we don't always think about how those positive things do still stress people out financially or have them have to rethink their finances in terms of what am I doing with my money and how do I get where I need to be.
0: No, definitely agree with you, Kathy. Even if it's positive, that financial difficulty could just change. Like maybe you decide, maybe I, if I had decided that I wanted to be a stay at home mom and not work, like, that's a great thing for my children, right? Like I get to have all these positives, be around them all the time. They love being around me. I'm so funny, but you know, they also, I would also lose my income and that could be, you know, some, there's some things to think about there. So just, yeah.
1: And that brings on the mixed emotions too, with the transitions piece, right? So, and I know we'll talk a little bit more about like, you know, dealing with emotions through the, the different processes in our lives, but, you know, it could be a positive, thing that's happening in our lives but the financial burden of this positive things can definitely produce mixed feelings so it's not just like the actual things that are happening but what's going on in us internally and the things that we're dealing with and trying to manage inside
2: yeah huge stuff
1: huge stuff well
0: that's why life transition seems timely today so I'm very excited that we're having this conversation just to kind of like piggyback off of some other things that we talked about. I think one thing that maybe a lot of us are experiencing at least two thirds of us on this uh, podcast today are have experienced is maybe the great resignation. Kathy kind of called it the great resort. So we'll just talk about that here in a minute. But I think one thing to know is like, there are lots of people who quit their jobs in the last year. So between May and September of 2021, about 20 million workers quit their jobs. So maybe they went to a different job. Maybe they stopped working indefinitely, but people Who were really hit were healthcare workers, leisure and hospitality workers, professional and business services, and retail uh, round out the highest percentages of workers quitting. Obviously, some of that was due to the pandemic. Some of that more is maybe they are just, you know, looking for a different possibility or option out there. So um, Maybe they
2: retired.
0: Or maybe they retired, (laughs) tired,
2: like tired, like exhausted. Oh, yes. Yeah. (laughs) Look at the jobs that that you just listed there. (laughs) Those are not easy jobs.
0: No, none of those are easy jobs, but there have been lots of opportunities to kind of move up and elevate. And I'm kind of interested to see what the research shows us, you know, five, 10 years from now about people who maybe changed their financial status by quitting
1: their job and finding something new. Yeah, I saw in this article as well, too, that they were talking about like in 2020, when we were kind of like in the height of this major transition for a lot of people, it seemed like they were kind of just, you know, staying put, waiting things out to see how things were going. And then in 2021, we saw a lot of decisions that people make in terms of like quitting their jobs. And so, you know, with like reflecting on, you know, what they want for their futures, for their families, so whether it is thinking of, you know, safety-wise or childcare benefits, all the different things that they're kind of thinking about and how they want to to manage like their future. So yeah, this I, I really enjoyed um, reading this article just to learn a little bit more about, you know, what were some of the things that were going on in like the US workforce?
0: Some crazy numbers personally, 20 million Americans workers quit their jobs. Like that kind of blows my mind. So I think this kind of brings us to the next point of our discussion is like, how do these transitions kind of impact us financially? So let's say you did quit your job or you found a new one, like, you know, really thinking about our partner or spouse or even our family, like, again, focusing on our family feuds piece. Cause I think that's important to discuss is how does one of these life transitions impact
2: us financially? I think for so- a lot of people, they may be having to balance out different goals, different personal goals. So like Kamaya was alluding to that security of having finances secure. And at the same time, you know, having quality time with their family and friends that are important to them. And maybe also jobs that are satisfying or their work environment is satisfying. All those things are, all of them are important, but how do you balance them? It's really can be challenging. And so and at the same time, trying to communicate that with a partner to say, you know, I really, maybe they don't agree on that. Like maybe they don't feel that, you know, maybe they, they don't, they're like, yes, I know you don't like the people you're working with, but we're getting money from it. Or, you know, or (laughs) maybe they're like, yeah, you really like that job, but where are we going to, where is that going to lead us to in 10 years? Is it going to help us meet our financial goals that are 10 years down the line? Well, do we need to, you know, change out something? So these are the kinds of conversations that are really hard. I know whenever my husband and I have faced job changes, which are, you know, important, our professions have been very important to both of us. We've had so many late night conversations on the couch that just seem to go on, and on from day to day to day, mm-hmm. day until we come to that place where we're both comfortable with the, mm-hmm. the next step. I look back and I'm like, wow, that was a lot of emotional energy to make those next steps. But I think it was, it was really important for our relationship to have vested that time and energy and with young children or children, older, even the only place to do that was late at night.
0: (laughs) That privacy piece, that privacy piece. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Where, Where
2: nothing else was knocking on the door that we needed to take care of.
0: While I was looking over the taxonomy, I was thinking about how some kind of life transitions impact us more financially than others. So some ideas, and maybe this is, these are just stemming from my own life. So if you guys have more that you want to add, but I thought about things like moving to a new city, state, or country, getting a new job. I thought that one was a big one. Obviously having a child, death of a loved one is um, one that could impact us financially. And then lastly, I thought getting a new pet, mostly because, you know, my love for pets and cats and all of the above. But, you know, I think that when we think about these, they're almost like expected, you can like prepare for them. Like kind of like some things that we were talking about beforehand, Kathy, like you can prepare for some, some of these you can prepare for, others you can't, but, you know, mostly, you know, moving, if you decide to move to a new city, state or country, like you get to choose that, right? Like there's, um, <laughs> mm-hmm. and you can have those conversations with your partner, your spouse, your loved ones, and kind of like make a game plan almost. So I thought that that was, um, important to kind of discuss and yeah, those late night conversations have definitely happened in my house, Kathy. So there's lots of pieces. Yeah. And we all have those conversations and even if you're a single person, you know, like find someone that you trust and can have that conversation with about maybe some of the fears that you're dealing with. And we'll talk more about, um, some ways to deal with the transition here in a little bit, but I just wanted to to talk a, a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, the one, the example I was thinking of is, you know, with like a two person, so dual income household, and that kind of transition can be such a major one. And, you know, coming in from an outsider perspective, it could be like, well, you know, you're just adjusting to this, but it could be mean a major life transition, life shift for a household, where if you had like two incomes coming in, and then you know, for whatever reason, either job loss or uh, a family deciding that, you know, they're just going to have one person being at home and the other person working, that could mean a major shift for them. And in terms of like family views and different things like that, it, it might take a lot of late night discussions to come to an agreement on what that might look like. You know, for example, different aspects of it. So it's not just, you know, with childcare and switching insurance, And figuring out, like, you know, how many vehicles do we need in this household now? Lots of different components to it that I think um, becomes an important part of the discussion for this example.
2: And piggybacking off of that, that valued identity. So when you make, I mean, I had both my husband and I have been working and then I chose to stay home for a few years with the children. When we started having kids. That changed my identity. All of a sudden, I didn't have a professional identity. I was you know, a mom and a wife and blah, 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 but not that professional piece. And that definitely took some doing in my brain.
0: Yeah, I can say that I've had almost a life transition happen and I'm happy to talk about this piece. I think it kind of like, let me back up the truck. First thing I want to say is that these conversations are difficult to have and they don't need to be one conversation. Like I feel like in my brain, I'm thinking of um, Kathy and her spouse, sitting on the couch for like hours and hours and hours and hours on end, which I know that's not possible. Like, you know, maybe they did, it did. it's not, it's <laughs> not more than, it's not just one conversation, yeah. right? It's more than one. There's, there's like, come on, I was saying there's so many aspects and so many different pieces. And then like finding that value in yourself. That's why I wanted to bring up this almost life transition that we had. So a few years ago, my husband was approached to go work at a firm in a different state. It was quite far away and just long story short, we didn't end up going, but we had already kind of like financially sunk a lot of things into this move. We had put our house on the market. We uh, had a house that we had already started the process of buying. We had done an inspection on the property. We started looking at like, what is, because he already had a position. What was my, what was my role going to be? Would I be a stay at home mom? Would I transition to that role? Or would I did I still have value in the work that I was doing and I wanted to stay in that? Ultimately we kind of reeled all it back. And so it was kind of like a, a life transition bounce back. That's what I'm going to call it. Um, and it was kind of hard to come back from too. Like, Oh, we had told all these people we're ready to move to this new state and then surprise, we're not doing it. Uh, we decided not to do it. And again, it was one of those conversations of like, what are the pros and cons for our family and how do we, how, how do we make this happen? And should we make it happen? So lots of pieces.
2: And maybe that's a takeaway from this podcast is things happen in your life and you do the best you can to make these financial decisions and life transitions, but understand that it's kind of like a budget. It's not in concrete. It's a working document, if that helps at all to think about it that way. And you will keep changing and doing and modifying as you go forward. You know. I hadn't thought that I would move from being a full-time extension educator. My plan was just to retire and not work at all. But then there were some really good reasons personally and professionally within the organization for me to continue part-time for a while. And so, and I don't know what a while is. I mean, at this point, it's a working document. I don't know whether that's like a few more weeks or whether that's a year or two, or will I still be doing this in five years, which would be interesting, but perhaps that's kind of how life is. And so, you know, sometimes you look at things and you think there's one path and I'm going this way, but that resilience piece is allows you to shift and to refocus, but giving yourself time to process, giving your partner time to process, mm-hmm. talking to people about it is a really important part of it. And I think that's why, you know, we all believe in communication, but not everybody feels as comfortable talking about things. And so it can mm-hmm. be really hard. Absolutely you know, in
1: the first eight years of my marriage, my partner and I moved like three or four times. And this isn't just moving a town over, it's switching states. And there were a lot, lots of um, different pieces with, you know, um, having children that came into play with like all of these decisions. And I'm going to blame it on me being a little bit younger and just like eager for a lot of different things. And so I made some decisions back then. And I look back and I'm like, oh, my gosh, I should have given given us more time to process this. But just going back to what Kathy said as some of like the main takeaways, too, with the life transition, just knowing that things happen. And during those times, it was opportunities that we wanted to pursue. And so it made sense to us. And even though it, it was chaotic at times. We, we tried to work through it and work on that communication piece and, and moving on, you know, from some of the, the challenges that all of those changes presented.
0: So I want to piggyback off kind of what you just said. I love piggybacking. And we've talked a lot about like looking at our kind of like the process, the working document, Kathy, but like when in that working document, do we decide that we need to look at our financial goals? or our financial priorities, or even like our, our spending plan, or our budget, the B word. Like when, when should we kind of look at those things
2: during a transition? That's kind of a trick question to ask people that educate in personal finance. Like, you know, I can't help but my brain to go there no matter what Definitely. we're talking about, right? Yeah. And I'm not sure that everybody, that's their first place to go, but you know, okay. So talking about it from, in terms of a life transition into retirement, you know, it's definitely, I feel like something that we needed, you know, we've been talking about it financially for three years. And that means we've talked about it with each other. What does that look like? What do we want to be able to do financially when we retire? We've talked about it with our financial planner. What would this look like? What do we have? I've met with, you know, all the people at human resources, at least once, if not twice, because it matters, right? How do we, how do we do health? To me, it matters a lot. How do we do health insurance? How do we maintain a lifestyle that we want? And it's not, well, right now my husband is still working full time. I see this as sort of a phased retirement. Like there'll be pieces that will be changing for the next few years as things change. And so for me, I needed to put it down in black and white numbers. Like what Mm -hmm. does this really look like for us? It's a little bit easier for me because my husband makes more than I do. So You know, it's like I said, the phase part is nice, but it also has made me think about organizing our finances in a way where I don't have to manage it day to day. Like, you know, we could, for example, take off and travel for six weeks and I wouldn't have to worry about the water getting turned off. Like I would Mm -hmm. like to get things to Mm -hmm. that place. um, And that's part of retirement. Or if something happened in terms of an illness or something that other people could manage the finances that we truly I have it set up. So somebody else can pick it up easily and handle that. Or if I, you know, had to put my energy towards something caregiving or taking care of, or if I couldn't handle it, because guess what? I'm getting older. So I need to start, you know, really to me, that's an important part of being prepared. That's I heard you
0: say a couple of things. I heard you say that I mean, we all know that you hate to pay bills. It's one right. of our podcast titles. <laughs> so, but but being prepared, you know, like if you were out for a longer vacation to maybe set that bill pay up, but then also I heard you basically say like estate planning was very important to you because, right. um, you know, that's, that's where you are in your life and that's where you're looking to, you know, prepare the most financially. So I think that those were some good pieces to discuss. Come on. I thought you had something that you wanted to add.
1: Everything that Kathy just said, I would do now. But back then, oof, no. I was jumping like, you know, I was jumping head first because I remember um, you know, with like grad school going into a doctorate program, just wanting to pursue those opportunities. And like the money came up, but it was more of like, we'll figure it out, we'll be fine. Mm-hmm. It's like this is a major opportunity. The money will figure itself out. And so from those early experiences and you know, further along, further along in my relationship with my partner right now, we approach things so much different. Um, you know, now we 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 have like these shared goals that we focus on. We do um the financial planning piece too, like Kathy. You know, we talk about just like different savings goals for very specific things that we want. In fact, when I when I asked my husband, like, you know if I ask him a question on, okay, how should we do this? It's like, okay, when should I start this savings goal? Like he always go there first. Um, so lots of different ways in how we've learned from our past and how we made decisions before. And so now it's, it's changed over time for us. It definitely has.
2: I think your time frame changes, you know, mm-hmm. I definitely agree that when I was younger, I, I wasn't looking as far down the line as I am now. And then there's also decisions I made where I was like, well, I want this, so I'm gonna make it work. However, Mm -hmm. I have to make it work. I want this, that's my priority. The financial piece, like you said, I'm gonna make it fall into place one way or the other. I don't think that's wrong. I think that's like how you live, you know, as long as you have a chance to make that decision, that's great. Yeah. And sometimes I guess you don't have that time to make the decision. Life happens and you get to yeah. do it anyway. So, does happen. Um, but I do think for me, being organized a little helps me with the stress. So I like, I, you know, I, right now life had been so busy the last few years and I was tired that a lot of things have gotten unorganized in my financial life. Like there are papers and files and electronic emails everywhere and it's driving me crazy. And so I really wanted, that was one of my retirement goals was to get those things back into an order where somebody else could look at it and it would make some sense instead of me saying, you don't understand what this email that's buried here means in terms of this financial decision. I mean, you know, so that's really a big piece for me is getting it back into a place where, you know, not only my husband could look at it, it makes sense, but my adult children could too. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: That, It brings me to, like I was thinking about, as you were talking, Kathy, about like, what are some takeaways for our listeners of the things that we kind of just discussed? And I know I I talked about budgeting and estate planning, but I also think, you know, just having these financial conversations with your partner or your spouse is so important, even if they're uncomfortable. um, And even if you can't be maybe 100% transparent about it, but at least like start the conversation. I think that's an important piece. Because financial stress and all those other pieces start to like kind of like crumble into your life, and it, when you're stressed, your brain just doesn't work as well as it should. And then add on top of a, a transition, whether it's an expected or unexpected transition, because because there are transitions that are you know transitional events like you're going off to college, um, those kind of things like that are predictable, that are like transcribed, normative. But then there's all those things like that we don't even that happened by chance, you know, like a serious injury or being diagnosed with a serious health problem, breakup of a serious romantic relationship. These kind of things that just like happen by chance. You're like, holy right. moly! Mm-hmm. So, I think if I had to give like somebody like one tip about being prepared for like a life transition, is just like just making sure they have enough in their savings account. And liquid that actually, savings, yeah, liquid savings, and that actually came up in some of the research that I was looking up was about savings about having the desire to save more earlier in life is really important and we there's actually a lot of things that show that saving regret doesn't have really have a lot to do with procrastination it's just that you just don't do it but a lot of these things like shocks including things like job loss or family events kind of lead to that savings regret so i i think if i had to give like one part if i would and i want to hear your like one piece of advice for people but like That would be for me, like, make sure you have liquid savings available to kind of combat these transitions, no matter if they're good, positive, they show up in your face, whatever they may be.
2: And we always say they're unexpected expenses, but to my thinking, you can expect an unexpected expense regularly. So, you know, having those, sometimes they're smaller, sometimes they're bigger, but, you know, having that savings in place where you can get the money immediately without a huge loss. So that doesn't mean selling stocks, you know, I think is really important.
0: No, I agree with you, Kathy. That idea of like the liquidability is liquidability. Ooh, that's a word, isn't that? I may have just made that up everyone, but you know- um, <laughs> The
2: concept is there.
0: The concept is there, just making sure it's available. That emergency fund, oh man, I can't tell how many people, how important it is to, to keep that savings available,
2: so. I was when I was thinking about this podcast, I think the tip to take away that I had for people was do the financial tasks you don't like to do when you're not in the middle of a transition. So if your life is at a place where you're not in the middle of a big transition right now, what is it that you really don't want to do that you could get out of the way so you don't have to do it when you're stressed out with a life transition. That's a really good idea. You know, that could be getting your will done. It could be making sure your insurance is updated, your property insurance, your home insurance, health insurance. It could be paying your bills. It could be, you know, whatever, organizing your paperwork, whatever you know that you need to do, but you haven't done. If you aren't, if you have any brain, you know, like left right now, any brain ability to think and not be under stress, this is a time to do it.
0: I think that goes back to our, sorry, it goes back to our podcast that we did early on in the pandemic about like, just do one thing. You don't have to do 10,000 things. Like we talked about those lists that were like on social media that was like, here's 10,000 lists of things you can do for your finances. And you're like, wait, what? Like that's so many, there's too many choices. So I like that, Kathy. I like that you're bringing that back into some of the other research that we've done previously. So come on, did you have something to add? What's your takeaway?
1: Yeah, so mine ties into both Sasha's and Kathy's. And that is like protecting yourself and your family or your loved ones. And that is through like, with like health insurance, home vehicle. And protecting yourself also means like having like that emergency savings, having like that liquid amount that you can put away in case something unexpected happened. And so you are investing in yourself, you're investing in, in those in your lives. And so being able to set things aside and have things um, organized, you know, going back to both their comments again, that you can easily access, Um, you know, those are just ways to help um, protect yourself and and to guard against um, some of the things that you might experience in a major life um, transition.
0: Yes, I really appreciate your insight, Those those big life transitions, they can kind of knock us on our feet, whether positive or negative. So I think it's good to be thinking about Before we kind of start to wrap this up, because I feel like we've, we've hit on a lot of different topics and pieces. Yes. I I do want to like bring in the small piece that I have from the university of Maryland medical system, just some signs of financial stress. So if you do find that maybe you're going through a life transition and it's very stressful financially, just some things to be aware of, or arguing with your spouse or your partner or other family members more often, and it's not necessarily always about money. So just be mindful of that. Uh, maybe hiding bills or receipts from your spouse or your partner, maybe you're having difficulty falling asleep or staying asleep at night and then eating to relieve stress or a dynamic change in your eating habits. So maybe you're eating less, maybe you've decided to make some changes, but you know, just some thoughts around stress and financial stress and how to kind of be mindful of those when they start to, to rear their ugly head.
2: And when you're experiencing that financial or emotional and or emotional stress, Reaching out for help, whether it's somebody in your your network of family and friends or a mental health professional or a financial professional to help you, please take that step. That's important for yourself.
0: And I I did include in in our outline, SAMHSA's national helpline. So you can check out their website at SAMHSA.gov or their number is 1-800-662-HELP. Or if you need the numbers, it's 1-800-662-4357. Um, and they do help individuals or family members kind of facing mental or substance use disorders. So that way you can have maybe some backup if you feel like you might be alone. So Great. thank you. And
1: SAMHSA that. is a Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration. Thank you. So Thank you for sharing that, Sasha. Yeah. As we start to wrap
0: up, I think, you know, we, tra- we talked a lot about like what are to kind of like ways to prepare We talked about life transitions we've experienced, how to talk about those feuds. I think one thing I think would be helpful to kind of, before we sign off, is like, how do we kind of improve our conversations around life transitions and maybe financial life transitions? So I'll just give a quick example. I know that when my husband and I were looking at this potential life transition, you know, like how much our house would be worth, like how much house should we buy, was a really big conversation for us. And I think because we were moving to a, a new state, we were so excited, and we weren't really thinking logistically, long longevity, like wise, Like because the house that we purchased, like we were purchasing, was way more than the house that we ended up buying at, out of other, you know, concepts. Because we sold the house that we had, and then we had to find a new house, and it was a really crazy ordeal. But we, you know, end up staying in Illinois, but we needed a new house, so we we had to like really reevaluate where our spending plan was going to be. Any other thoughts around that, about looking at like ways to make sure we improve our conversations around life transitions?
2: You want to start with that one, Kamaya? You want me?
1: I'll let you go ahead, Kathy.
2: Thank you. I'm thinking that one thing that's important is to step back and think about what makes it easier for your partner to have that kind of conversation. I'm kind of the person that's just like talking about it constantly while I'm doing dishes, while we're doing this and that. And I think my husband prefers that we have a focused conversation (laughs) that he can keep up with and not just some ramblings out of my brain, whenever. And so, you know, for us having a focused time that we could have that conversation, I think is important. Also remembering to listen. So that might mean that if you're the chatter. In the relationship, letting the other person start and share what they're thinking about or their feelings. Mm -hmm. You mentioned earlier pros and cons lists. And I think, you know, that's such a tried and true strategy, but having you each make your own pros and con list and then coming together to talk about it could give more equal weight and feeling for, for each other's perspectives. So, you know, it could be that taking a walk is a better way for people to talk. It could be being out of your home environment or it could be in your home, whatever it is. I think stepping back and thinking about how am I going to facilitate this conversation, be open to new ideas that I might not have had, I think are really important.
1: I love all of those, Kathy. And I would add about, you know, evaluating like your shared goals and focusing on those and also being transparent. And mm-hmm. Sasha has a lot of research on financial transparency And this, just being realistic about, you know, what, where you are financially, where you're trying to go, um, and understanding that each other, your feelings are valid. So going back to what some of the strategies like Kathy um, talked about. So incorporating like these pieces can help a long way with the communication
2: aspect. And maybe starting with what's working well, like making Mm -hmm. that list, what's going well? Mm -hmm. What are you, you know, both on it seems like the positive pieces that you both want and then what will this life transition potentially look like and how does it impact things
0: it's funny that you bring it up the positive aspect because uh as you both know i now work with emily kushel and we were doing a an interesting webinar about love and money and one of the things that we talked about was the amount of positive interactions you needed to negate a negative Mm -hmm. interaction it's actually five times You have to have at least five times more than your one negative. And I just thought that was so fascinating when I like looked at that. I mean, it makes sense that sometimes a negative financial thing can like ruin your day or ruin your experience for that thing. But I think if you were able to start with the positives, I think that would be a really great place to start with your conversation. So, and because
2: you. you don't want to disturb those positives necessarily, you don't unconsciously. So you want to have that piece of what are all these positive things, maybe Maybe you're looking at a job relocation. What are the positive things in your community and things and in your life? And then you can make a conscious decision to change those, but at least you've got that conversation out there.
0: Yeah. Well, I have really enjoyed all the things we talked about today. We talked about a lot. We've been talking for quite a few minutes here, but I just want to thank Kathy and Kamaya for kind of having me on and kind of. Wrapping up this chapter of my life, so this will be my final podcast as um, as the three of us. And while that makes me sad, I'm excited for the future and what that holds for me. And really appreciated uh, Kathy and Kamaya going on this journey with me, even though I kind of forced them in the beginning. <laughs> I've loved this opportunity to be able to take our education, our resources. The ability to take research and digest it and give it to our listeners has been such a great journey.
1: Yes. Thank you, Sasha. Um, she didn't have to force this, she made a very compelling argument um, <laughs> when we started this in 2018. But it, it has been such a tremendous honor to work with Sasha. Um, and if you for, you know, our, our, our listeners, like we, we incorporate a lot of research into the topics that we cover and that takes time and Seisha, you know, has always been diligent with like putting things together for the podcast, editing the podcast, um, so lots of wonderful things, but I don't think of it as a final goodbye. We can Mm -hmm. have her back
2: on at any
1: time, right, Kathy? (laughs) Yes.
2: You know, this podcast, in a way, is kind of like a life. You know, what we've been just talking about. We have our foundation of good quality research, Mm -hmm. being open and honest in our feelings and our how it applies to our own lives. And I Mm -hmm. see it just transitioning. You know, it may look. It's it's going to have that same feel and vibe, I believe. Going forward, but there may be some different voices coming in, new surprises for our listeners. Um, it's always an adventure.
1: It is. All right. So, thank well, you both thank for having you. me
2: on today. I really, I really do appreciate it. Thank you for coming on.
1: Yes. Thank you, Station. Thanks, everyone. Until next time. Goodbye. Thanks for listening to
0: Family Financial views If you'd like to learn more about the educators, Extension in Illinois, or just personal finance in general, you can check us out on the web.